Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Business from the Bass Boat on the Serious Angler Network. Guys, today I'm excited for the show. We've got an awesome guest lined up. Um, missed last week, we had kind of a couple of different cancellations and uh, we didn't get one out. So apologize for that. But uh, this week's show, super excited to get him on here. Someone who I followed and actually I think met college fishing a while back and have kind of followed his career and everything he does, both fishing wise and for the company he works for. <clears throat> and that is none other than Jake Byram. Uh, Jake is with Dynamic Sponsorships. And uh, he's got a cool role there that we're going to dig into. And I just really wanted to uh, dig into what he does and how he kind of got into the position he is today. So without further ado, let's bring Jake in. Jake, what's going on, man? Adam, how are you, man? Thanks for having me on. I've been looking forward to it. Absolutely, man. Thanks for making this work. Um, dude, you just just getting ready. We're, we're in the middle of fishing season right now. So always getting ready for another derby. I'm sure uh, kind of similar there. Um, yeah, overall, everything's good, but what about yourself? Been good, man. We just finished up Redcrest here in Tulsa in our backyard last week. Um, so super busy week for us. It was a good event. Um, cool to do something new, cool to do a new event and, uh, doing a little work this week and then getting ready to head to Texoma for a Toyota series on Saturday kicks off next Thursday. So I'm looking forward to getting back to fishing a little bit. Yeah, man. Yeah, well, we will definitely get into Redcrest here in a second. Um, but, man, I will be joining you. I'm going to go fish the uh, Toyota Series as well on Texoma um, as a co-angler uh, with Holland Hall, uh, Farm and Ranch Real Estate Group I work for. I'm actually going to head down to Lubbock before then. Uh, and so I just figured, man, with how much practice I'm, I'm probably not going to get. I may just jump in as a co and, and I enjoy fishing as a co sometimes, too, and can learn a bunch. So uh, maybe we could draw each other. I hope so. I hope so. I would enjoy that. Have you ever been to Texoma before? Dude, I haven't. And it's a, it's a place uh, I would really like to. I, I like the idea. I, I love fisheries that have smallmouth and largemouth. And yeah, it's a, it's a, a neat place. I've part. been lucky to fish on there a few times and it's a good lake. So hopefully we hit it a good time where it looks right and hopefully they'll be biting a little bit. Yeah. And that's a, uh, that's a uh, man. Yeah. I was, I was talking to somebody the other day, like, I mean, do you think it'll still be a pre-spawn deal? Do you think it'll be, they'll be on the bed? I mean, what's kind of your thoughts uh, at this point? I think it'll be pre-spawn. We'll see. I mean, there might be a few spawning. Um, mm -hmm. I was actually looking at the moon phase yesterday, and I think we're going to have like a new moon or something while we're there. So um, I don't know. I could, I could see a few spawning, but I would think, I think next week there's a full moon the week after that we're the week after we fish, there's a full moon. So I would imagine that'll probably be the first big wave, but uh, sure. I would think mostly a pre-spawn deal. I got you. But they should be shallow. I imagine, you know, throwing a square bill and, you know, maybe a little bit of flipping and stuff like that. So it should be yeah. fun nonetheless. Yeah, dude. Did you, did you fish the, uh, cause the Texoma event last year was what, was it a couple weeks earlier than this, this year? Yeah, I fished it last year. I, I want to say I had actually had the memory pop up on my Facebook. Uh, I think it was last week. So okay. um, we'll so be a couple, couple weeks ago. later. And yeah. they're, I don't think they were spawning, but I caught, man, my biggest fish on the second day, I caught out from underneath a dock and its tail was all white and bloody. And so I was like, well, oh. I, I couldn't see it. So I can't say for sure if it was on a bed or not, but, um, like I said, I think it'll be, I think it'll be mostly pre-spawn, but I wouldn't be surprised if there was a few spawning, especially since we're going to be there a little bit later and looks like it's going to be in the eighties. Um, yeah. have some temps in the eighties early next week. So I saw that dude. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited. I think it'll be a, a good time to be there. And, and whether it's like 
right before you know pre-spawn when they're they're moving shallow i mean it's a great time to catch some really big ones and a lot of them mm -hmm. uh, or to throw in the bed I, I love fishing both those situations and i i just the smallmouth side of it's really cool to me i just don't generally i guess the only lake that i've been to in oklahoma that's been like that would be ten killer ten killer is really mm -hmm. cool that way where you get kind of both sides of things yeah, Texoma's neat because you can fish super dirty water if you run up the lake, and you can go fish like bluff walls and really clear water down at the dam. I know last year when we were there, it was super, super clear at the dam. Really? You, know, you could probably, I say super, super clear. For Oklahoma, it was really clear. You, know, you could probably yeah. see five or six feet. That's uh, clear, man. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's a really neat lake. I, I think you'll like it. It's uh, yeah. You can kind of do a little bit of whatever you want. Yeah. No, that's interesting. And normally, like here anyway, like all the smallmouth will spawn first and then we'll kind of you know you'll have that phase of where both largemouth and smallmouth are on beds and then kind of more just largemouth but uh, it'll be interesting to see if like you can find like five or six foot like a little bit deeper beds that have smallmouth on them or something yeah it will be interesting to see i've never never sight fish for smallmouth but i would imagine that you know you could probably do it there uh, given the water clarity so yeah I can tell you this, they're way easier to catch the largemouth on the bed. Yeah, that's what everyone says. That's what everyone <laughs> says. I, I need some of that in my life right now, as a matter of fact. It seems like every time I go fishing, it's so dang tough that I need – give me something easy for a little bit, just Dude. just for a day. Give me something easy. I, I don't know. Like I was talking about this with a buddy last, last week. It's like the last year, and then even this year, I just fished a local derby here on Pueblo Reservoir in Colorado, and it was freaking brutal, dude. Like, I mean, just horrible fishing, and it's like – I don't know what it is about some of these tournaments here lately, but like they haven't been fun. Like it's just yeah. been like, it's no, just it's been brutal. <laughs> it's been the same way here. A buddy of mine from college, we fished a little local tournament uh, a couple weeks ago on grand right before red crest. It was the weekend before. And I think we caught like 10 keepers that day. And we were both so pumped because we were like, yes, we caught 10 keepers and, you know, cold a few times. It seems like every time we've gone, like you said, it's been, you know, you catch five if you're lucky or you might catch six or seven if it's a really good day. So yeah. We were super stoked to just catch 10. We were kind of laughing about it on the drive home. That's um, awesome. But yeah, I just, I agree with you, man. It seems like it's been so tough for the last year. Like you just, every time you go, you know, you're just fishing for five, it seems like. So yeah, literally. And I don't know if that's just like fishing pressure and everyone. And I'm, I'm sure there's someone that's like, oh, fishing for five. Like, man, I've been fishing for 20 bites and that's what I'm doing here, this and there. But it's like, I don't know. Some of these lakes seem to be getting a lot of pressure and, Derby after derby goes to them, and it's like you gotta get five bites to even. I mean, you gotta get five bites, and that is hard to do sometimes. Yeah. I mean, especially around here, you know, in a place like Grand, that just every weekend it's got you know at least one two hundred plus boat team tournament, you know, and then a couple other smaller ones are on top of that. All the local traffic, it's just it's never ending. Yeah, yeah, gosh. So, dude, well, let's talk a little bit about Grand and Redcrest. Um, from your perspective of things too, I guess maybe to start before we go into Redcrest, let's talk about dynamic sponsorships and your role there. And then we'll kind of get into uh, the expo and everything that you saw there at the event. Okay. Yeah. So dynamic is a turnkey marketing agency. Uh, and we just kind of specialize in the outdoors. So primarily bass fishing. Um, we have ventured into a few other different spaces here and there um, in the past, I've done some work for like Bushnell and Gander Mountain and stuff like that. But, you know, primary roles in bass fishing. So we work with clients such as Toyota, Costa, Yamaha, uh, Carhartt. Um, and we, we do a whole lot of, you know, a whole lot of stuff in the marketing um, mm -hmm. scheme of things, in the marketing realm. Uh, we really specialize in event activation. So if you go to like a Bassmaster and Elite Series, a Bassmaster Elite Series event or a Bassmaster Classic or Redcrest, um, you know, and you see like Toyota's got a set up there and like we call that an activation. 
Okay. Um, so Toyota would have. We'll have some vehicles there. Um, and it's really just to inform the consumer about the vehicles. Um, we have like little games, like, you know, trivia games and stuff like that, where they can go through and win, you know, little prizes while learning about the vehicles. Um, on top of inactivation, we do manage contingency programs. So like the Toyota bonus bucks, the Yamaha power pay, Costa compete and conserve. Those are three of our most popular. Um, we also do digital and social media stuff, uh, public relations, so do some pro team management for, um, like namely the Toyota fishing team and stuff like that. So we do a little bit of everything really. Yeah, no, man. And some major, major brands supporting the fishing industry. I think that's the coolest part of this. I mean, especially even, uh, from the endemic sides, but the non-endemics that we're talking about Carhartt and, um, Toyota, like those are two companies that in my eyes, like go hand in hand with fishing. And I don't think that was the, the case, you know, 10 years ago or whenever I guess Toyota bonus buck started and all that kind of a thing, like that seemed to be a really big push. And it's cool to see that dynamic was really kind of the ones behind that. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. So they, uh, you know, came up with the idea of the bonus bucks program, I think coming up on 15 years. Wow. Um, I know that last October. That we, <laughs> yeah. Well, our, la our, our last October, we celebrated 10 years. We do an annual owner's event for the bonus yep. bucks program. Um, and that was the 10th anniversary one. We gave away a brand new tundra to somebody. Um, so it's really neat. It's really cool to see, you know, the ideas that the people in our office have come up with and how it's really grown the industry and, you know, done some, some new stuff such as the bonus bucks program, you know, it was the first contingency program for a truck in the industry. Um, and just to see how it's grown and how, yeah, Toyota is so associated with bass fishing now and, and Carhartt and some of the other brands that we work with. That's so cool, dude. No, that's, that's awesome. And I, and, and now like to kind of steer away from that, we'll definitely get more back into that. Let's talk before I forget, let's talk Redcrest. Let's talk about grand. Um, I, I was able to tune in live the first couple days and then kind of tailored off because I was pushing a tournament here, but, um, looked awesome. Uh, how was the expo? How was your first thoughts? I mean, it's cool to see something Redcrest happen and it's cool that it's right there at home with you. Um, what were your initial thoughts from the expo? Yeah, we all thought it was a good event. Um, yeah. it, everything went well. It was smooth. We had a really good crowd on Saturday. Um, Friday was pretty busy for, you know, still being a weekday. Um, and Sunday was pretty busy as well. A little bit busier than Friday. Yeah. Um, but not quite as busy as Saturday. So it's really cool to see, you know, Tulsa is really a pretty big fishing community. We're in the heart of, you know, so many good tournament lakes around here and there's just so many people that like to fish um there's actually a lot of industry in tulsa you know we also have lawrence is here um quantum and zebco's here gene larue was here at one time so um, it was really cool to see the tulsa crowd show out for the first one um everything went well on our end it was neat to do something a little bit different i mean it was pretty similar to some of the other shows and expos that we've done in the past mm -hmm. but there were some you know just a little bit different feel it was just something fresh and new um, kind of exciting to be the first one, you know, no one really knew how it was going to go. Um, we knew what we wanted to do on our end, but overall, like just to see who all showed up, you know, what other companies were there and, and kind of what, what their booth space looked like. It was neat. It was neat to do something new. And especially it was nice to have one in our backyard. We rarely get that. So yeah, very usually cool. we're on the road. So it was, it was good overall. Overall, I think we all thought it was a good weekend. Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, I mean, how many, how many activations, I guess, or, or how many times are you guys going to events? I mean, obviously 
classic, right. And, and other kind of fishing shows, but, um, I've even, I've even seen you work in booths at the opens, man, like at an open, I've seen you, you know, pass stuff out and then it's like, you're fishing that derby the next day. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah. You, so we do always as, travel. as a company, we do, gosh, I don't know how many events we have on our calendar this year, but we do all the uh, elite series events. We do the classic. I think on this year we had maybe five, uh, MLF events, whether that be BPT or pro circuit events, mm. um, Red Crest, we do a good chunk of the NASCAR events for Toyota as well. Oh, really? Cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, gosh, that's probably another nine or ten. Um, and then we do a few other, like, just kind of one-off events here and there. Um, for instance, like Mickey Thompson Tires and Wheels is one of our other clients. Uh-huh. And we're activating at Tortuga Music Festival in Fort Lauderdale, Florida next week. Oh, so man. That'll we be just fun. do – yeah, I mean, we probably – I would say we probably have 40 or 50 events on the calendar this year. So I know like some of our team, I'm not up there, obviously I'm at home here in Tulsa, but some of our team went straight from uh, Red Crest on Sunday night. They left Monday morning for the World Fishing Fair in Springfield. Yeah. The Bass Pro Shops event that's going on. So Toyota was activating up there. So, I mean, it's, like I said, probably somewhere in the ballpark of 40 to 50 a year. Wow. So, and then for the Opens, that's a little bit different. Um, You know, we're there promoting uh, Yamaha Power Pay and Toyota Bonus Bucks. Mm -hmm. And so... There's a team of us who fish. I know some people might be familiar with like Teb Jones and Daryl Gleason. They've been, you know, fishing the mm-hmm. opens for a while. Daryl's on the elite series now. Um, and kind of part of our deal is to go at those registrations and just promote those programs and get anglers signed up who maybe don't know about them or maybe recently purchased a, a Toyota or a Yamaha and just bring awareness to the program and get people signed up if they're eligible. So yeah. it is a lot of travel though, for sure. Yeah. So, but between yeah. the working and the fishing. So it's kind of ironic that, a good a good majority of our team doesn't fish. Um, some of our guys in Tulsa here at the office do fish uh, pretty casually, um, but most of our road crew they don't fish at all. They just it's just kind of a job. You know they enjoy the sport because they've been doing it for so long. They enjoy keeping up with it, but the you know it's just work more or less. Sure, so. sure. No, I, that's an interesting thought because I've I've had that thought too. So like um, with the company I work for, I I mostly at this point am less so I guess on the road to some extent going in and looking at some of these farms and ranches from the financing perspective. But I did that more uh, a couple of years ago, but then as I've transitioned more into fishing more often and traveling more, it's like, man, two things where I'm on the road all the time was a lot. So now yeah, it's like can, my, it, my fishing is on the road and then I'm like, okay, more of my work is at home, home based kind of office situation. Yeah, like, that's it, can, a it, lot, can, dude. it can definitely be tough to balance. So we have an office here in Tulsa. I'm actually just a contractor for Dynamic. So mostly just doing events on the road. Mm. Um, we've got, I think, eight or so people in our office here. And being a pretty small company, you know, everyone kind of does a little bit of everything. So um, half the people in our office travel and do, you know, whether it's like Luke Stoner, who I know a lot of people, if you fish college, you probably know Luke. Um, you know, he's on the road doing coverage at the elite series and he'll help with some of the activations and got some other guys in our office, um, that will go and work the activations as well here and there. But I'm, I'm mostly on the road. Um, being in Tulsa, I do kind of like a little bit of hybrid. I will do some stuff around the office if need be. Um, but I would say 95% is on the road for what I do. Just, just going event to event and setting it up and, you know, kind of managing it, making sure everything's running smoothly and, and then breaking it down and going to the next one and fishing in between, man. And trying like, to fish in between. Yeah. I uh, dude, I'm with you, man. That's, 
That's awesome. Same, sim very similar path as far as just uh, trying to figure out a way to be able to fish and work and kind of do both. And uh, man, it can be a grind sometimes. But uh, Yeah, and it can be super tough to find something to, you know, especially if you're wanting to fish, you know, some higher level stuff like Toyota Series or Opens where you need to take like a whole week off. You know, as I'm sure that you've, you've learned, I know I certainly did after I got out of school, it was really hard to find something that, you know, gives you that time to, you know, peel off for a week and go fish, um, you know, maybe four or five times crammed into a six month window in the spring. So, yeah. And, and I think, uh, I think it's a message too, that's like important to get out to people who are interested in fishing tournaments and having a career. Uh, that's kind of been more of my interest. It was like, at first it was like, Full, full career and then it was like hey three weeks of vacation isn't going to work for this yeah. at all like it's not going to be enough time but then I leaned into kind of a little bit of both and then I was like man I don't know 100% like I, I want to take fishing as far as I can go but I also like the benefits of having a career and a paycheck and buying a house and like those kinds of things that aren't necessarily if you're all in on fishing super accessible um yeah, so especially I think, early on yeah exactly and, and I think that uh uh, having the ability to say, Hey, look, I can be an independent contractor in this situation. I don't necessarily have to be a traditional W2 employee and have this, this, and this, like there's ways to make that work to where you can still have an income and fish on the side. And, uh, and that'd be like a good subject for like a whole nother podcast, but like going in through like, what are some jobs to where you can kind of do some of that? Because I think that's a, a situation you've kind of worked out and myself included in that uh, there's ways to kind of do both, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, I mean, it's, it's not tough. And I think that I know for me personally, like I thought, you know, when I was in high school and college and, you know, as I got older, the, the more like obvious it became just, you know, how difficult it is, um, you know, to kind of find that balance. And I know that, you know, you brought up having a steady income and a paycheck and buying a house. And I, like, I knew that those were all things that I wanted and like, I would still absolutely love to have a career like just full-time fishing. And like, if that works out, like that's kind of the carrot all it's like I'll always be chasing. Right. Um, and I'm just like to the point where like, I'm not gonna, you know, quit my job and just be like a fishing bum per se. Mm -hmm. um, but like, I'm like, if it works out, it works out. Like if, you know, whether it takes a couple years or, you know, whether it happens later on in my life, like I, you know, would love to get the opportunity to at least try it. But at the same time, I didn't want to, I always told myself that I was going to do it. I was going to do it, try and do it, uh, try and do it in a way in my eyes, that was a, the smart way to do it. Um, yeah, and I not wanted jeopardizing like, my, the future. Right. I wanted to give myself some like longevity because I know it's not an overnight thing, right? Like I'm 24. There's so much to learn. Um, and I wasn't willing to like put everything else on hold necessarily and like jump say into all nine opens. Like for some guys it works out, like, you know, they can do it and it works out and that's great. But for me personally, I'm a lot like you, you know, I wanted to have an income and I wanted to buy a house and um, I'm getting married later this year. And I was like, those are all things that, you know, I feel like if I do it a, the smart way, I can still merge both mm -hmm. um, without the risk of burnout so fast. Cause I'm yeah. like, I've like done the math into fish on that opens. I mean, you're looking at $20,000 in entry fees, yeah. you know, plus another 20 or you're say you're, you know, 40 50 to 50,000, yeah, yeah. you know, and you do it, for, say you can do it for a couple of years. Well, that's great. And if it doesn't work out, I know at least in my shoes, if it didn't work out in two years or three years, I'm like, well, now what, you know, yeah. I'd rather just, you know, sounds like a lot, a lot like what, you know, what you've thought through. I'd rather yeah. just give myself the longevity and, you know, if it happens, it happens. And, um, you know, if it doesn't, we'll just kind of adjust, adjust our goals and, and keep moving forward.
Yeah, man. Always, always with that, uh, progress mindset. I like that. And, and I think too, that, uh, I think that we're seeing more and more some of these guys where they are reaching a super high level in tournament fishing in their forties, right. In their, mm-hmm. in their late thirties, like they're in their fifties, like there's guys like that is a Jamie Hartman, for instance, right. On the elite series, like guys who are kind of taking this step later on in life. And I think it's a cool aspect of our sport. Like you have the guys who, have the premier talent, the, the one percenters, right? The Brandon Polonix who come out super young, get it figured out, get it dialed in and are just incredible. And then some of the guys that risk it all early and, and figure out a way to make it work. And then there's guys who are like, kind of sound like yourself and I, and it's like, man, I don't know if I'm ever going to get there. I'm going to keep striving as I go, but like, I'm happy with the idea of also not completely wasting my future and, and having an income and, and, doing things that I want to do that are also goals of mine. Right. Yeah. Then that's exactly how I've looked at it. You know, I know when I was younger, I was like, wanted to be all in on it. And I think it's just, you know, being a little, you know, young and a little bit naive and kind of as I got older and like kind of saw the inner workings of the industry, I just saw, you know, how tough it is to actually make a living fishing mm-hmm. and how many guys, I mean, gosh, just the tournament road, there's so many just, you know, to trail of bodies of guys who got, you know, got burnt <laughs> trail out long of bodies. Yeah. It really is. I mean, it's amazing. Just the, you know, the turnover. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I just kind of, as I, as I got older and learned more about it, I just like evaluated what I wanted to do. And I was like, I love, I love to travel and fish. Like I get so bored fishing the same places around my house. So I'm like, no matter what, like I always want to be able to compete at a high level, whether it be the Toyota series or the opens. And that in turn gives me, you know, a real possibility of, you know, getting a shot to fish at, you know, the tour, you know, the elite series. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what I always want to strive for. But yet, like you said, you're not sacrificing everything else. Yeah. And I, I didn't, I didn't want to try it for two years and like be out of money or burnt out on it because it yeah. wasn't going well. And then like hate fishing, like that's, and, and like, it certainly happens. Um, yeah. And I just wanted to try and not have that happen if possible. Yeah, it's, it's kind of hard, right? Like, and I kind of experienced this. So, so I went from being a full-time W2 employee to, to going independent contractor and really fished a ton last year. And like, I loved, I loved a ton of it and I loved a lot of it, but at the same time, it was like, it's hard when your passion and everything turns into like, Hey, I need to like actually try and really make money at this. And you see some of that um, grind and stuff. And it's like, man, some of that, that burnout thing is real, what you're talking about. Like, I definitely felt like when I was on the road three weeks straight, it was like, man, I, this would be really hard to do this all the time. Like a week, a week in between is fantastic, but like, mm-hmm. man, go, 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 go. And then you're like, all right, well, I got to take care of my responsibilities work-wise. And it's just like, man, that, that burnout thing, I think uh, is something that could happen in that what, what leads to some of the dead bodies that you're talking about on the tournament road. Yeah. I mean, and and like you said, whenever you're feeling like you have to make money out of it, it certainly, you know, can take the fun away from it. And then whenever like you're not performing as well as you want to do, gosh, it makes it that much worse. And I feel like once the funds totally sucked out, it's just a matter of time before, you know, you're just burnt out and and looking for something else to do. Yeah. Um, Yeah, man. So a lot lot of pressures there. Well, cool. No. And I think that, I think the really, uh, the, really cool aspect with what you do is like you're surrounded by the fishing industry the rest of your time right like when you're fishing derbies that's great but like the rest of the time like you said your two favorite things travel and fishing 
you're you're doing that just in a different manner like don't get me wrong it's still work but like look what you get to do like i gotta say like i'm jealous i gotta i gotta hear a little bit about like how you kind of got into this role with dynamic i uh it was my going i was going into my senior year and i'd kind of known about you know i had known luke through college fishing um and kind of as i grew older like i heard about dynamic i was a bonus bucks guy uh you know i drive a tundra i was signed up for bonus bucks when i was at a tundra it was like my first car that's why i was driving in high school and stuff and so i was signed up for the program and i got a bonus bucks check one time and i noticed that the address was a tulsa address like came from dynamic sponsorships in tulsa oklahoma and i'm like mm-hmm. gosh that's so weird and like initially when i signed up you know i didn't know who was behind the program um and so i just Googled dynamic sponsorships and like found their website and was like, wow, this is really cool. Like they represent all these brands that like I'm already using and it's all like the brands that are like, like you said, like you just associate like elite series and Toyota. Um, Yeah. And so I just, I'd kind of like put it away. I was like, man, that would be something that was really cool. I didn't really know what they did. Right. Mm -hmm. I was just like, Oh wow. Like fishing in, in Tulsa. Like how cool is that? Um, And then I went to school at Oklahoma state. And it was going to my senior year, a really good friend of mine started working for a advertising agency called Idea Ranch here in Tulsa. And I was looking for internships and kind of reached it, reached out to him to see if he had anything. He's like, yeah, you should, you know, you should go online and apply at Idea Ranch. And so I went online and applied and come to find out they're kind of sister companies with Dynamic. Um, so their offices are right next door. Um, Dynamic has done a lot of like creative work for them in the past, um, like photo video projects, just different stuff. Um, and so I interned over there over the summer and, and kind of got to know the guys at Dynamic a little bit better just from being you know next door. And we had a lot of mutual friends um, just in the just from like the local tournament scene here. Um, I had a lot of mutual friends with the guys over there and just kind of over that summer got to know everyone a little bit better and. Um, then in this January of 2020 is whenever I went and started doing events for them. So it was really just kind of got my foot in the door. Um, and it just happened that they were, you know, sister companies with who I was interning with. And then really from there, it just went to knowing the right people and networking and, you know, it just kind of evolved into a really good relationship. And here I am. That's awesome, dude. That's a, uh, that's a great story. And I think a good lesson for a lot of guys that are college anglers right now, or, um, you know, everyone wants to, like you said, chase that carrot of fishing on the elite series or fishing full time and making that a reality. But, uh, the reality of it is that that doesn't happen for everyone. And, um, I think a great way to merge your passion and your um, career right, is something in the fishing industry. And like, that is uh, exactly what you did. And it was super cool that it was in your backyard. Like that doesn't happen every day either, where it's like, you find this great situation, but it's like, you have to move across the country or something. Right. Yeah. I mean, I was definitely fortunate. Um, like I said earlier too, like Tulsa is quite a bit of, you know, industry here for, for kind of whatever reason. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we have Lawrence and, and Major League Fishing's headquarters. I was going to say well. MLS fishing, right? Is, is right. Yeah. There. Yeah. yeah. So you know, really fortunate that they were here and that I didn't have to move. Um, like I said, I grew up here. Uh, my fiance is from here. We've been dating since we were in high school. So like, it would have certainly awesome. been tough to move. And I think that would have, if I had to move, it would have been a lot bigger conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was just really neat how it worked out. Like I said, just, it was really cool to step back and like see the progression of like, I saw 
you know, when I was younger, like in high school, I like found out about dynamic being in Tulsa, right. And like, I got to know some of the guys kind of who worked there, got to know Luke, like when he was doing the cart stuff in college fishing. Um, I got to know a couple of the bonus, but like the guys who do bonus bucks at the opens. Um, and so it was like kind of something I always wanted to do. And it was like, all of a sudden here I was. Um, and so there's, you know, it's just kind of cool for me to like look back and kind of watch the progression going from like, finding out who they are and then to like actually working for them has been neat. Yeah, man. It's like little stair steps along the way. It's been like a, but like a multiple year journey. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's cool. I've enjoyed it. Very cool. Very cool. Um, as far as the bonus buck stuff goes, as well as Yamaha power play, uh, I think contingencies are a, incredible thing for our sport and for bass fishing in general because it gives anglers an opportunity uh, to make money with the gear that they're using and to run the best stuff and uh, if you're already using it like you said in college driving a toyota tundra you, you better be signed up for it and um was kind of dynamic the driver on some uh, on like major contingency programs in general or was that a thing before and dynamics said, hey this is something we should really push our push into with our brands man that's a really good question uh that i wish i had the answer to <laughs> i yeah. don't so i i know 15 that, years ago you weren't there <laughs> right I, yeah i i know that the bonus bucks program for instance um has been around forever um i don't know i say i don't know yeah i mean like you know they had the ranger cup contingency program which is you know the same thing just on on the bass boat side of things yep um you know ranger cup's been around forever um yeah, that's true Good so I, I i'm gonna say that dynamic wasn't necessarily like the creator of it mm -hmm. um but i think that they've done a really really good job of bringing like for instance a truck into it which would be like toyota was a non-endemic mm -hmm. um and then so not only bringing them into the space but like, kind of like refining the program so for like bonus bucks, we have over 600 tournaments across the country that are sanctioned wow. events for bonus bucks. Um, we pay boater and co-angler in a lot of events. We've got a lot of team trails um, and you don't have to win the event to win. Like, so like if you're the highest finisher that you still get the same amount as if you won the event. So you could finish 10th and be the highest finisher and it would pay the same as if you won first. Whereas I know a lot of other contingencies, you have to win the event to win it yeah, to get like, you know, the big prize. And if you finish like third, you might get 500 bucks. Yeah. You know, but if you went, if it was first, you might get, you know, I don't know, say a new boat. Like I know, yeah. I know like Ranger cup at the height of it when they were really big sponsor with FLW, mm -hmm. you know, and like the, um, I think when it was the Costa series, they still, it was like, you would win like a, 19, you know, 000. 18 foot Ranger. It was crazy. Crazy. Dude. Um, yeah. but again, you had to win. Mm -hmm. So I think that's something that dynamics done really well over the years. It's just kind of refined it and make it to be like where, Hey, like if you're driving your truck and you have a good finish, like you're still going to make a pretty good chunk of change. Um, and it's not unattainable per se. Cause you know, there's only one, only one winner per event. Yeah. Um, and it, it's hard to win tournaments, especially big tournaments. So yeah, no joke. No, I, I think it's a, it's a, just a, uh, these programs have been so good for bass fishing and, and then you've seen like what Phoenix has done, right. With uh, the Phoenix bonus bucks has just, or not Phoenix bonus bucks, but like the Phoenix contingency program mm -hmm. has made it to where, I mean, you, you know, just as much as I do when you go to a Toyota series event, everyone is running it. Like there's a lot yeah. of people running a Phoenix and it's because of that reason right there. Like if you win, 
It's an extra $35,000 to your pocket. And it also pays a second place guy in a BFL. It changes the landscape of a BFL being like, Hey, I want a couple grand to like, wow, I made some money here today. Yeah. I mean, 35,000 is a lot of money. Like that's, (laughs) (laughs) that's not something you want to leave out there. And like, and, and, I think personally, like it, it really makes people consider like when you're going to buy a new truck or you're going to buy a new boat, like mm-hmm. if you're a serious tournament angler, it's going to make you think like, you know, unless you have some smoking good boat deal with somebody like to me, it's going to wow. make me sit and think like, okay, where can I have the chance to make the most money? Like I need mm-hmm. to buy a truck, like pretty much all trucks cost the same. Or I need to buy a boat. You know, they're all roughly the same price, but where's the best benefit down the line? Yeah. And, and I mean, no, I mean, to, to like your point, I mean, I know plenty of people right now that have never, um, that have, were never driving Toyota Tundras until the contingency program, the bonus bucks came out. And now, first of all, it's a great product. So like, that's one, one aspect of it. It's like, Hey, they've liked this truck, but now they're on their third, their fourth Toyota Tundra. Yeah. And it's, and that is, I mean, to me, that is just, I don't know. It was the coolest thing to see, Toyota jump in and, and push that and really you guys being behind it with dynamic, but like that has been uh, such a cool thing to me. And I think it's the same way with a lot of these contingency programs is it's, it's making people consider, okay, if I'm not a guy, I'm not a blue chip guy that is going to go and get a great boat deal with any brand. It's like, I can really work hard to try and get a small boat deal or I don't have to think about it. And again, turn as a tournament angler, to some extent, especially when you're at the highest level, you need to view yourself as a business and what's going to, what's going to, what's going to me the most as an individual to do this. Cause this is a very expensive journey. And it's like, if there's an aspect where I don't really have to put that much resources to it and, and maybe promoting all this stuff and I don't, I'm not able to get a great deal that way. I need to be running the Phoenix boats because if I'm fishing these series, like this is a better deal than most pro deals are going to ever be. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, and, and kind of to piggyback on what you were saying about the Tundra, you know, you said, you know, guys that had never driven a Toyota before and they got into fishing and like saw the support that Toyota gives and now they're on their fourth Tundra. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one thing that we've really seen with these contingency programs is built a ton of loyalty behind the brand. Um, you know, so we hear the same thing all the time. Like I'll sign a guy up for bonus bucks. He's like, yeah, I just bought a, you know, 2022 a couple months ago, you know, it's my fourth Tundra. Like I trade every two years and, you to know, stay in the, the contingency. And, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's just built, like it gets people in the brand and they see how great some of these brands are. And, you know, it just builds the loyalty and like doing stuff like the Toyota owners tournament. We have so many people who have fished, you know, year after year after year who get to know the people in our office that, you know, that put it on and they become, you know, legitimately good friends. Um, yeah. And all just through, they just came one year to fish the tournament and they had such a good time and enjoyed it so much. They came back the next year and the next year. And so it's just kind of neat to see, you know, the loyalty behind um, behind the brands that, that people choose to support. And it kind of starts, you know, probably at the contingency. Yeah, the grassroots level. I think that's something that's overlooked uh, in our and I personally have, have definitely been one to overlook some of that stuff. It's like the power of the grassroots stuff. And that's I mean, I don't get me wrong, I'm very much still a grassroots angler. But like those of those one off events, the. Uh, owners events for boat companies for Toyota. Like those are something that like your weekend guy is like, Hey, I still want to go travel somewhere and fish somewhere. And if they go, if they go to that event and they have a great time, like you said, like 
those are relationships that go on forever. And it's just going to strengthen the relationship between that partner, Toyota and the, and the, the angler. I mean, they're like, mm-hmm. that's, that's just benefits everyone. That's so cool. Yeah. And, and then you were talking about how, you know, you got to run it like a business as a tournament angler. It's, it's pretty amazing. One guy that comes to mind is Shane Powell who fished the classic, you know, from like you fall in Alabama. That's right. He's, yeah. He, he kicked he my butt in Alabama in, for that. <laughs> he sends more Yamaha power pay claims in than like, I just hear people in our office who process the claims talking about, Oh, Shane sent another one in. Like, it seems like no it's, way. You know, he's, he's winning all the time on Lucky fall. You know, he's one of the best, best anglers in that area. And like, yeah. I would love to know the number, like just the dollar amount that he won last year from contingencies. He's, he's driven a Tundra for a long time as well. Um, you know, it adds up over time. Um, and some yeah. of these events are paying, you know, 50, I know for a Toyota series event, for example, it's 1500 um, for the highest finisher and a thousand for the second. So, I mean, you know, you cash in on three or four of those a year and, um, you know, it starts to add up over time. Yeah. And even the smaller stuff, man, like I've got bass, bass nation stuff. And like, yeah. I mean, all that, all that stuff pays. And it's, uh, I mean, like you said, like you, you can legitimately, if you're a guy like a Shane Powell, right. And not everyone is a Shane Powell, but like you can like make your, what your payments would be on that vehicle just on your contingency. Yeah. Which is wild to me. I'm or at sure least offset sure some of it. Done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and it's just like, um, it's a great situation. And, uh, one, one person that I would shout out that comes to mind with that, who's been super open with a lot of, uh, some of his finance stuff on YouTube. And I'm not a big YouTube guy at all, but someone that I have turned to a couple of times, Todd Castledine, man, mm-hmm. uh, most recently or not most recently, but over the winter here, he posted a video of his earnings because he's one of those guys. It's like, I'd rather fish locally to some extent travel in the Toyota series, but like, man, he does really, really well locally and, and makes a living fishing. And he attributes a lot of that to contingency programs, Yamaha power play and uh skeeter boats. And I think a Toyota as well, but like, yeah, I think he's been a Thunder guy for a while. Yeah. And I think something, something like his, there was, he was, he was talking about his percentages of how much of his earnings from, from this previous year, were from contingency programs and how important those are. And it was like 30 grand. Yeah. It was like, you know, I mean, that's, that's, that's the difference in like being making money for the year and not like, it's just, it's, that's, that's a good chunk yeah. of money. Yeah. I know that I heard um, some stories like back in the day when he was with legend, you know, they had a really good contingency program. It would be like, it would be like $10,000 for, you know, there were so many tournaments, like over 50 boats. It was so, like a really, really good contingency. Oh yeah. And I know that there for several years, he was just, I mean, bankrolling off the legend contingency, you know, probably to the point where he was almost paying for his boat every year yeah. just from the, you know, from the contingency program. So I, I totally believe it. Like you said, it's $30,000 is real money. That's, you know, a lot of guys, that's the difference between being in the green and being in the red at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Well, that's uh, so cool. Uh, I think uh, it's a great, great programs and we need that uh, just for how the nature of tournament fishing is and how hard it is to make money doing it. Um, but one other question I had about dynamic was, I mean, are you guys like, it seems like you have worked with these really high level brands that are big, big audiences and not necessarily just that, but like, I mean, major players, we're talking about Carhartt and Toyota and Yamaha. Is that, uh, it seems like that's kind of your, your 
niche, if you will, or these, these power play brands and doing kind of the marketing and in-house stuff for them. I mean, is that, uh, accurate i guess or is there like you guys work with some smaller brands too or is it mostly these these high level brands and you try and develop a relationship and kind of keep that going um i wouldn't say that it's like um i'm trying to think we're doing some stuff we did stuff with quantum zebco and they recently got bought out by rather outdoors Mm-hmm. Um, so we're doing a little bit of like media work and stuff for, um, strike King and lose. Um, but yeah, I just think that it's just kind of worked out, you know, my, I think that can, a lot of that can be attributed to my boss Lance, okay. um, and just developing relationships. You know, he started out with Toyota when he started the business in 2006, I believe. Um, and it just maintained a really good relationship with them. Um, and then I think that that's just other brands have seen, you know, like what they've been able to do with Toyota and how they've, you know, become such a big name in the space. Um, and then I think that's just kind of transpired in other brands such as Yamaha. I mean, we just started working with Yamaha here within the last few years. Gotcha. Um, so I think that, you know, it's just, and again, in the fishing industry is so small too, mm-hmm. that people take notice when stuff is, you know, being done the right way and going well. Um, so I'd have to attribute, you know, a lot of that to, to the, really the whole team, but um, you know, him and their relationship building that, that they've been able to do with, with these brands and maintaining, you know, we were with Toyota for like 15 ish years. So um, cool. And I know that in marketing, there's a lot of turnover, oh, you yeah. know, a lot of, yeah. a lot of companies are looking for who can, you know, who's the best bid. Um, that's literally, that's uh, I've got a friend in marketing. That's, I mean, not in fishing, actually, that's not true for a while. They were doing stuff with the fishing brand, but uh, a, a marketing brand here in Denver that works with a lot of different companies. And it's like, it seems like they're always getting chased down on a, on a client because it's like, Hey, we're paying you X amount of money. I want to see where these dollars are going to. And then they're like, well, we have this other company over here. That's going to be $40,000 less next year. It's like, yeah. how are we like, it's just, they're always, it seems to be just chasing the lowest bid. Yeah. And so, like I said, I, I would attribute a lot of that to, you know, his relationship building as well as our whole team. And our whole team is passionate about the sport. Um, and I think that that really shows in, you know, when we go to an event and do an activation, we all want it to be, to look good and to be done right. Um, and so whenever you're at these events and there's, you know, you're at the classic and, you know, all the decision makers are there and, you know, they take notice, you know, they're out walking around and, you know, looking at who's doing what. And so I think that, you know, just over the time and just building that reputation of doing things the right way and doing things, um, you know, doing a good job on things and, and doing it right and making it look good has has really helped dynamic as a company get like you said the heavy hitters and and the big brands in the sport very cool very cool and how many how many folks are with dynamic like what does the dynamic team consist of so we've got i want to say eight okay like that are w2 full-time that are in the office and they also yeah. travel on the road and then we've got another team of about six to eight um that are 1099 you know road event people Gotcha. Um, and we're all kind of spread out. So I'm really the only one here in Tulsa that's 1099 uh, yeah. event guy. We've got a couple out in North Carolina, a couple in Michigan. Um, and then obviously, you know, the whole in-house team is here in Tulsa. Sure. So I, I would say, I would say roughly 20. Gotcha. In, including contractors. Yeah. And of those contractors, of those 1099 guys, how many of them are fishermen that are on the road fishing too? uh none other than myself really just you yep 
Yep, just me. And so, like, um, two of our, our people that do it, um, Jamie and Vivian, they've been doing it for – so they actually – when Lance started Dynamic, they were doing Toyota activations under another marketing agency. Okay. And, like, back in the day, whenever Lance got the job, they just came over with him. So they've been nice. doing it for, like, 20 years. They bring a ton of experience – um like i said they're not they're not fishermen like at all they just again it's just a job they just kind of ended up you know doing it and they enjoy it and they become passionate about it because become passionate about it. like they, and they yeah. know it's just funny because they know all the angler you know a lot of them personally i mean they've been at wow. every elite series event for 10 years that's crazy um, yeah. and so they know so much about the sport but it's like and they like to fish they like the outdoors don't get me wrong but they're not tournament anglers yeah yeah by exactly. any means, you know, they're, they're fish on a nice weekend a couple times a year. Yeah. That's cool. That's crazy. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for the background of all that. I was just curious and wanted to give it out to our listeners as far as um, everything that dynamic does and, and what you've done. Um, let's go into a little bit of your fishing. What are your kind of plans for 2022? Um, what are you, what are you fishing this year? So I'm staying pretty close to home this year. I'm fishing the Southwest Toyotas. Um, and then I'll probably jackpot one or two others, um, Crank around, I, like I'm going to fish the, the plains on grand, um, okay. at the end of April. Yeah. Um, so staying pretty close, I'll probably end up fishing four to six events, um, gotcha. but probably only one full, full division. Um, last year I fished one Toyota series in the Northern opens, mm-hmm. um, and three drives, up there two to yeah. new york and one to virginia from oklahoma is a lot especially yeah. when you're already traveling and i was i'm so glad i got to do it it was an unreal learning experience just getting to go up there and fishing stuff that i'd never it's fished crazy yeah um but for this year like i said I had a lot going on and being on the road with work i just kind of wanted to stay more regionally um and so i'm going to do the southwest and just kind of jump in you know another one or two here or there yeah as my my schedule allows no, I like that, man. And I think what's cool about uh, one one aspect, going back to our initial conversation on just running kind of a, a 1099 situation and fishing gives you the flexibility there to not like if you were all in on fishing, right? Like you wouldn't have a choice like next year, you got to go do nine opens or you got to mm-hmm. go do all the tournaments. But kind of having that windfall of being like, hey, like I've taken a step back and said, Hey, I, I need to focus a little bit more on my 1099 income. And I want to do have these goals here. So like same kind of situation, I'm fishing more of a local situation. I'm fishing more as a co-angler to where I don't have to go and practice for five days before the tournament, three days before the tournament, whatever it may be. So like, I like that aspect of it is that you don't have to fully give it up. And like, because if you were to fish all in for three years and say, you didn't make it happen, you, you have to go, not just like, give up fishing a little bit. It's like, man, I need to go get a job and make money and can't fish, you know? Right. Exactly. And it's, it gives you, you know, that ability and try and try and make up for the lost time. Exactly. Uh, you probably have no money. No, you're out. You're, you've been, you're in credit card debt now, man. Like you're, you're deep. <laughs> yeah. But I, I don't know. Just a, a cool aspect of it is like, you can adjust. And then like maybe a year from now, two years from now, it's like, man, like I've kind of got a good situation. I'm going to roll and I'm going to go do, uh, two divisions of the open in a yep. Toyota series or whatever. And that's, and that's exactly what I'm doing with it and how I'm taking it. Um, my initial plan this year was to fish the Southwest Toyotas and the central opens. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't get in the central opens just because of the crazy waiting list and everything. Right. And yeah. like, like you said, like 
if you're all in on it, like saying all in on nine opens, uh, you like got to go to New York or whatever. And like, after I didn't like knew I wasn't going to get it, I kind of looked back. I was like, eh, maybe it's not that bad after all. Like, <laughs> that's a pretty bad, that's a pretty bad. The centrals like, dude. Oh, oh uh, yeah. It's that awesome. is going to be rough. I feel so I've been calling it the two fish tour. I was like, yeah, that's the, the two fish tour is going to get kicked off here at the end of April. The two um, fish tour. I like that. And so, and, and like you said, so like now he was able to like, okay, well, I'll just, you know, go a little different route this year. And next year we'll see, you know, what my work schedule is and what the fishing schedule is. And we'll, we'll make a decision from there, which I, I kind of like having that freedom a little bit. Right. Um, and not necessarily feeling like I'm on this like timeline of, oh, you know, got to do, got to go all in or nothing. It's yep. kind of nice to be able to just feel it out as it comes. And like I said, I didn't really, I don't want to say I like last year when I fished the Northerns, like knew I wasn't going to qualify, but like, I'm a realistic person. Like I know that my chances of going up North being from Oklahoma and having never fished up there, um, been like qualifying for the elite series, like top three out of some of the mm-hmm. best fishermen in the region is like probably pretty slim, but I like, yeah. went up there with the mindset of, okay, I have the opportunity to do it. Like it'll be a great learning experience, whether I come back next year or in five years, like it's, you know, knowledge that I'm not going to forget and and can take with me moving forward you know no matter what the timeline looks like of you know of the of my tournament career per se yeah no and i think uh i think that's a concept um that needs to maybe be adopted by some people but like some people view is like okay this is my chance and if i make it i make it and if i don't like i'm like out of luck but at the same time like i don't know someone that comes to mind be like a Josh Douglas, like he fished the opens for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Like that is like, I mean the amount and, and it's a compounding learning situation. Like you will at some point, if you keep tournament fishing, you'll likely go back to the St. Lawrence river. Well, just being there one time is a massive step up or just fishing for smallmouth in that situation on those Northern fisheries. So like it's not wasted time, right? Like it's still investing in your future career and future uh fishing and and uh by the way like i don't know that was the coolest place i've ever been to fishing. absolutely dude, incredible, I, dude. if i get the chance i saw <laughs> that there is a toyota series there in september the same time we were there last year like I man that's that. that's really tempting me if it works <laughs> out to maybe maybe make a little trip up there because in august it's so miserable here yeah you know, and the fishing sucks like oh it was it was awesome dude like you said it was the most incredible place i ever fished Dude, that was just, just, I mean, oh, so much water and all of it was full of fish. And I just, I, I've never experienced anything like it. Yeah, I, I agreed. I learned more in the week that I was up there than, you know, I think I was up there for like 10 days and I learned more in that 10 days. And I feel like I could have, you know, in five years of just like, you know, smallmouth fishing, like a little bit in Oklahoma or wherever it may be, because it was yeah. just so totally different than yeah. any place I'd ever been. I mean, the amount of current was unbelievable. Um, how deep you can catch them was unreal. It was just, man, like I said, it was just such a good learning experience. Yeah. It was, no, it in, was... invaluable. And like, and like you said, you just don't ever know, you know, whether it's next year and five years or 10 years, like you're going to fish another tournament at the St. Lawrence river. If you keep, you know, fishing at that level, like it's just a matter of time. Mm-hmm. So it's not certainly not wasted. Yeah. Yeah. No, man, exactly. That's uh that's how I feel with that stuff. And I, uh, I think we're on similar pages with those approaches. I think it's a, it's a good way to go for some people. And again, like not trying to take away from someone's dream of if they want to be a pro angler and go for it all. It's just like, that's kind of the path that you've, you've chosen. And to me, 
same kind of some extent. And that's like, uh, it's cool. That's what I, I like about the fishing industry is like, you can take it as far as you want to, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can be anyone from a guy who's fishing on a pond to being a kayak guy to fishing your local derbies and Tuesday nighters and to the guy who goes to the Toyota bonus bucks championship every year, because that's a great time with your buddies to the guy that's like trying to make it. And then the guys that do make it. So it's just like, I don't know. You got to kind of choose what's right for you and, and what path you want to take. Well, that's cool too. Cause like the way that, you know, I'm choosing to go about it, isn't right or wrong. And mm-hmm. it's not the same way that someone else has to do about it or go, go about it. You know, it's, it's just totally different for everyone based on their circumstance, based on their wants. Um, and like you said, there's only so many of the one percenters of the, you know, the Brandon Polonics, the Jacob Wheelers, the Jordan Lee's like, mm-hmm. I know for me personally, like I, Again, when I was younger, I thought it would be a lot like more clear cut and easier than it is. Mm-hmm. And it's neither of those things at all. Like, it's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just the learning. I mean, seriously, the learning, like, cause you, you see people doing it and it's like, oh, it looks easy, right? Like when you're watching TV, like, you know, and you're in high school, it, you know, you're like, that's the problem. Like, they make it like, it's, it just looks so easy. <laughs> right. And so you think, okay, well, like, I'll go fish in college, like, and then I'll like, you know, fish the Toyota series of the opens for a few years and I'll be well on my way. And it's like, uh, hold on, but there's a whole lot to learn in between there. <laughs> yeah. Dude, you're dead on. And I think, uh, especially people on the outside of fishing that don't understand that, like that aspect of like how much skill is involved with these other little guys. It's like, man, you've been doing it for so long. Like, why aren't you fishing at that level? And it's like, no, dude, it is way, that's so much harder than you think. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't even, I don't even have time to explain it. Like, yeah. yeah. And I know like for me personally, like I've oftentimes found myself getting frustrated, like feeling like I'm not progressing like as fast mm-hmm. as I want to be, or maybe as fast as it looks like some other people are. But I know for me personally, like I just sometimes have to step back and okay, like I'm 24, like I'm still like, super young like look at most of the guys who are you know having really successful or have built a name for themselves like even regionally like the castle dines mm-hmm. um you know they're they've probably been tournament fishing some of them longer than i've even been alive it's true man. um and so i just kind of have to remind myself of that um because it is tough um and it is can be easy to get down on yourself um especially fishing you know toyota series or opens and there's so many good not just like professional anglers but local regional anglers fishing them mm-hmm. Um, it can just really be easy to think like, oh man, I'm not good enough. But like you said, it's just, there's so much to learn and it's really just such a time consuming process. And the only way to learn is to go and do it. Um, I've taken a lot of butt kickings, um, and like it never gets any easier and it never sucks any less, but usually like after I get over it, like overlooking my wounds, I'm like, okay, well I learned this, this, and this, and like, we'll just, you know, have to get up, dust ourselves off and and apply that at the next one. Um, yeah. But like we said, it's just such a long road and, and can feel so frustrating sometimes. Yeah. You got to have some serious, uh, some thick skin, man, because you get, yeah. you get absolutely beat on in this game. Uh, at least most people do, unless you're, a, like you said, a one percenter, a Jacob Wheeler. Those guys just apparently come out catching them. But um, it's just, I don't know. I wish I, I wish I knew the secret. I wish I did. I would, oh, I would bottle it up and sell it for as much as I possibly could. That's exactly right. Secret sauce. These guys are crazy. But Jake, um, thanks, man. We'll kind of get into wrapping things up here. Um, I guess first question, being that you were someone who fished in college, jumped into a career in the fishing industry that allows you to fish, um, 
that kind of a thing I think is a, is a special deal. And I just wanted to, I guess, ask if there's any, and, and you've had some awesome advice to this whole thing, but any piece of advice that you could give to someone that's maybe in that same position in college right now or out of college, you could be 35 right now. Like, Hey, I want to do something else in my life to where I can kind of chase some of this stuff. What's a, what's a big piece of advice that you have to someone interested in chasing the path that you are, you're on. So I kind of, I kind of touched on this earlier um, yeah. and the industry, this industry is so small. Um, everyone seems to know everyone. And, you know, when one person leaves a company, it seems like they go to another and, you know, mm-hmm. in this space and you hear it all the time. I know I heard it all through high school and college is just to network, um, meet as many people as you can. You know, if you're at events, like say you're fishing in college, like, you know, shake hands with the guy handing out Carhartt stuff um, because he works for somebody. You know, he's not just there volunteering his time. Like they didn't just find him, you know, that day to hand out some hats um, and codes to college anglers. Like he works for somebody. So like make yourself known, um, get to know the people and and stay in touch with them. Um, and don't be afraid to like reach out and foster those relationships, especially as you're you know looking for an internship or nearing the end of college. Um, not everyone that you meet, you're going to hit it off with and develop a really good relationship, but you know, you meet enough people, eventually you will. And oftentimes it will turn into something. Yeah, dude, I like that a lot. And, and I think uh, that's something that last part, I think I've definitely missed out on before in the past of uh, two parts there. Um, being afraid to like, okay, I made the connection, but then also like following through and saying, hey, like, let's maybe there's something here and asking those things. It's like, you feel weird kind of doing that. But like, that's how you you build some of those relationships and, and get your foot in the door, so to speak, uh, with those companies. Um, and then the other aspect that I really liked there was that not every relationship, every person you meet, like, I don't know, I've made it out of my head sometimes be like, man, I'm going to go meet this person uh, with this industry. But like, you don't really hit it off. And you're like, yep. man, I was really thinking that was going to be like the deal. And then you like, but you got to look back at those moments where like you did really hit it off with someone. And those are kind of those uh I think relationships to lean on because um, I don't know. There's, there's always kind of a connection there. Yeah. Like I, I've, you know, had the exact same feelings before. Like you meet someone and you're like, that did not go how I thought it was. <laughs> and like you yeah. meet them one time and you never talk to them again. Yeah. You're like, um, Nope. <laughs> and like, I, again, like you just, you're going to eventually, like if you meet enough people, you're going to hit it off. And, and when you, like you said, when you do hit it off, it normally leads into a really good relationship and it's not something that you can force. Like it's just yeah. got to happen naturally. And, you know, when it does, you'll know. Yeah. It's your time. It's your time in fishing and in relationship. Building. Absolutely. Boom. Life with Adam and Jake. <laughs> Man. Um, before you go, uh, three biggest largemouth, smallmouth, and spotted bass, where you were and what you caught them on. Okay. Uh, my biggest largemouth was 10 pounds even. Even? Uh, 10 0 10 0 That's wild. Um, I caught it at Lake Fork on a Carolina rig in August. Dang, in um, August, man. That's got to be yeah, brutal time. It was, like, yeah, it was not when you think it would happen. Mm-hmm. Um, my biggest spotted bass is pretty weak. Um, I don't have an official weight. Somewhere like three and a quarter maybe just Dude, around Oklahoma. Like I've never numbers. never really fished any. I, I say I've never really fished any. I fished like some Coosa River lakes. Like, Oh, yeah? I've been to Lay Lake and – um, a couple other places out there, Neely Henry, but I've never like places that you think you're going to catch a big spot in a bass. I never did. Yeah. Um, so I think the biggest one I've ever caught was probably on grand. 
biggest spotted bass. Like I said, in that you know three. There's some random range. hammers in there. Like I've seen. There like are, I mean, there like are some three and four pounders. Like I, there I are some big like, spotted bass. Yeah, a couple there's of them. A, there's, a, there's a couple like really big unicorn smallmouth too. Um, really, I caught one smallmouth there. Uh, I think I was in the elk. I caught like a 16 inch smallmouth. Oh like, really? Wow, yeah, I've I've never crazy. caught a smallmouth, but occasionally you'll see. Like I remember at a Toyota series. Gosh, it's probably been like five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, a, the guy in front of me weighed in like a four pounder. Wow. So, wow. but you don't see them caught very often, but there are, no. there are a few. That's crazy. Um, and it, my biggest smallmouth, man, I don't know exactly. I've had a few, I don't know if I've ever hit six pounds. Um, I've had a few really heavy fives though. Yeah. Um, and the, let's see, I'm trying to think last year on the St. Lawrence, I caught a couple heavy fives. And then a few years ago, I got the opportunity to fish on Mille Lacs with Seth Fighter. No way. Uh, yeah, it was awesome. It was, it was right before he won the AOI championship there. Right um, before he made so, it big. Yeah, so it was like 2016, I think, that summer. We were there in July. My dad and I flew up and got to fish with him. That's wild. And, oh, dude, it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. And I caught several – heavy heavy fives that i would have liked to avoid but whenever you watch him just like catch like a five and three quarters and shrug it off and throw it back i was too scared to ask for the scale <laughs> so i was like yeah, that's a pretty good one i just threw it back so um awesome. i don't know biggest smallmouth we'll say five and three quarters somewhere in there i don't I, i'm pretty certain i've never hit six uh, but i do i feel like in my mind a six pound smallmouth like a 10 pound large mouth so i really want to see i really want to see a six pound large mouth hit the scales um, yeah Dude, but I, I am not gonna. I'm not gonna say I've caught a six that I, you know, officially seen it on oh, the scale. Verified, so. yeah. No, we'll, like we'll call it five and three quarters. Five and three quarters, man. I, I think that's fair. Like the St. Lawrence is crazy to me. Like I, I, my biggest smallmouth before going to St. Lawrence was five pounds, and so it was like I broke it, and then I broke it again, and then I broke it again, and I, I think I got to five eight four or something, right? Yeah. But like right before that, it was like five six five seven like there's so many heavy fives it's just like that is like you said it's just like breaking that double digit mark for largemouth but like and it's like catching a 10 pounder i mean it's like i caught my 10 pound largemouth gosh probably like eight or nine years ago probably eight years ago it's like i've caught some eight eights and nine since then but like can't eclipse the 10 like it's just something about it man it's like they you know the fishing gods keep keep making you wanting to come back for more because you can't you know you can't (laughs) hit you can't see you know 10 0 0 on there it's 9 14 or whatever it may be that's exactly i feel like it's the same with smallmouth so i know i'll catch one eventually i just again you got you got to go fish for you know fish at places they live that's right dude that's right well awesome well jake man i really appreciate you taking the time out uh coming on the show today and talking everything about dynamic um when this airs it'll be next monday um morning so we will be uh practicing probably at uh texoma so uh thanks for coming on man i just really appreciate you taking the time out yeah absolutely man like i said thanks for having me i was i was looking forward to doing it doing it and hopefully i'll see you next week at texoma no doubt man awesome all right man well i will see you later all right talk to you later adam Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can and your app allows it, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us get seen more, which allows us to access more time and more variables to be able to bring to the show to make it better for you guys. 
So hope you enjoyed it. And if you did and you like some of the things we talked about in this episode and want to check out our show partners, all of that is in every single show description. You can click down there. It's got all of our discount codes, all of our links to our show partners where you guys can go and support the people that support this show and help us make this show happen. And of course, this show does not happen without you guys. You guys know we appreciate you. You're the Searsanger fam. You're the reason we're here. Appreciate y'all, and we'll see y'all on the next one.